And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. show with a honeymoon at the Johnny Rocks, some ruthlessly efficient terriers, the posh getting posh, the blades getting blunted and Gary Rowett proving his takes are even worse than his trainers. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Welcome in then to our newish Thursday pod, looking back on the midweek action ahead to the weekend's key games and reflecting on the big stories making the news in the EFL. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. Alongside me today, the new face of the EFL on Sky, Michelle Owen. Hi, Michelle. Hello. That's a weird... Do you know what? I haven't introduced us that yet, so that was a bit weird. I was like, who's that? Oh, that's me. Yeah, hi. <laughs> sure is. Uh, also with us, the old face of this podcast, Adrian Clark. <laughs> You're not wrong there. Yeah, congratulations, <laughs> Michelle. Great gig. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, no. Um, yeah, you can do brilliantly on that. But yeah, no, all good here, Matt. Fine. Ready to go. Yeah, we've had our first midweek of league action. What stood out to you, Clarky? A few things. Um, I think Burton beating Sunderland was a real standout, wasn't it? Because Sunderland had had such a brilliant start to the season. They'd looked the real deal. And Burton, even though they'd won a couple, you thought, well, it's Burton. Sooner or later, things will level out. And and they've they produced a really spirited performance. It, it looked a cracking atmosphere. They did score from their only shot on target, which is efficient, um, and and very good of very good of them. It's a lovely goal from from Johnny Smith. But yeah, little sort of nod of the cap towards um, Ben Garrett and goal had an excellent game for for the Brewers. So look, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank continues, doesn't he, to to flourish at. I guess what must be his spiritual home. It, it, I know he's forever associated with Chelsea, Hasselbank, but but you know, the way he's going, he's uh, he's going to be just as well known for his exploits with Burton. Yeah, producer Abby would be annoyed if I didn't point out that she tipped them uh, as playoff contenders, and I kind of scoffed. Uh, Michelle, <laughs> your your main focus, I guess, has been at the Den. Uh, was that the, the standout? moment of the EFL for you midweek was there anything else that caught your eye um, I'll touch on those games in a minute but Cheltenham beating, it, beating Ipswich I thought was fantastic and I saw a little bit of that because we were on air at the time but I saw the result after and watched a, some of the highlights on Quest and I was just delighted for Michael Duff and after he was saying he was getting texts off Sean Dyche and things like that so there's some lovely post-match reaction and, and massive for Cheltenham as well you know I don't think many would were too sure how they'd make the step up this season, but that's a huge result against Ipswich Town um, for them. And they did it with hardly any of the ball as well. So, you know, if you can win like that, I guess that's a good sign. Um, but yeah, I did, what was it on? I did the Fulham win against Millwall on Tuesday. Fulham were fantastic, but looked shaky for the last 10 minutes. I don't know why Millwall left it so late to come to life on that one. And then last night, I watched... Sheffield United get thrashed by West Brom. And the scary thing about it, we were saying, is that West Brom weren't even at their best, we don't think yet. And, 
you know, they were making subs in the 54th minute when they were 3-0 up. I mean, they came out the second half just absolutely firing. And he's got, I'm sure you've talked about it, I know you've talked about it, how Valerian Ishmael has got West Brom playing just like Barnsley. It's uncanny when you look at the stats. I know Adrian's into his stats. When you literally look at the turnovers in play, the high press, we looked at their average positions last night. You know, you've got the centre-backs almost over the halfway line when they're pressing. But it, it does beg the question that if a team is good enough to pick them off, and we saw last weekend they can be picked off and they can be caught. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Michelle that that teams that can handle the long throws and the dead balls better than their opponents so far, and it's not going to be easy to handle those. Those that can and that they have pace up front and a little bit of quality where they can just flip the ball over the top. That's where that's how you can hurt hurt West Bromwich Albion. No one's been sort of given the time or space to be able to pick those passes yet. It will happen. But uh, yeah, really impressed. Really, impressed and, and that said, Sheffield United were, were awful, like so so bad. Um, I don't really know where they go from here at the moment. What's your, what's your Kanovic gonna gonna do? What's he doing today in training? You know, how do you pick them back up after that? It's, it's running interesting. A, that's what he's gonna do, Michelle. He's gonna in the old days. Can I say this in a podcast? He's gonna run the bollocks off them. <laughs> that was the normal punishment for, uh, for for a performance like that. But but it's probably different these days. Well, in fact, I know it's different. Well, they haven't scored a goal yet. They've got six strikers on the books. Uh, it looks like they might be losing Aaron Ramsdale. Two, uh, just to spin back to that to that Cheltenham Ipswich game that that uh, Michelle mentioned, a couple from Barrow were honeymooning in the Cotswolds and chose to go to Cheltenham via Ipswich and went viral because I can't work out if that's the greatest way or the very worst way to spend a honeymoon. <laughs> I mean, I would say Lucia, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I went, I went to Different Barbados. Times, it was very nice, yeah. but you know, Cotswolds <laughs> is lovely too, and, and so is the Johnny Rock Stadium sometimes. Can, can I just say a, a word of praise, or reserve a word of praise for, for Sam Klukas? I love childishness. I love um, <laughs> towsery. And, and he just won't let it go, will he? Yeah. he not for the first time. He, he scored against Swansea City. Now, of course, he was quite an expensive signing, wasn't he, for, for the Swans. Didn't go well for him there and the fans d- d- didn't make it easy. I think it's fair to say that they gave him pelters and it, for the second time since he moved to Stoke, he scored against them this week and for the second time, he shamelessly goaded them, didn't he? I mean, it was... It was... <laughs> It was shameless. I mean, to whip the shirt off and just sort of parade his name in front of the fans was... It took some confidence from the lad. But look, I guess if you if you dish it out, you've got to take it, haven't you, Swansea mm. fans? Uh, it's... Um, yeah, it was... It, I, 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 personally, I enjoy that kind of nonsense. But, but there are others that I suppose will say, oh, it could incite a riot. But yeah, I, I like it. Clucas now in the potteries, Clark now with the potty mouth, uh, it would seem. I wanted to give uh, a shout out to the 165 extra supporters who made the 11 hour round trip to Barrow on Tuesday night. Exeter still haven't scored a goal this season. Uh, it would be remiss of us not to talk about what happened in the Millwall Fulham game. Uh, supporters booing the taking of the knee. And then Gary Rowett's reaction we need the authorities to help clubs out and find a better way to unify people. Michelle, it, it feels like he's missing the point by quite a wide margin here. I was on air with Joby McNuff and Keith Andrews and we sort of sat there and watched it uh, with everyone at home and we were like, 
okay, like a little bit surprised by that reaction. And JB after spoke so eloquently on obviously what is such a sensitive subject, especially for him. You know, he told us how he was racially abused there when he was 17. And I thought what JB said on air, he put it so eloquently. And I don't know how he spoke so eloquently when it must feel so raw. But I do feel like Gary Rower has missed the point a little bit there. He could have come out and said some something different, that's for sure. The thing is, Adrian, you don't want to single out Millwall, but obviously it happened there last season as well. And it seems like the default response is, yeah, but we do all this stuff in the community. Yeah, but you've still got this problem. So that that is what you need to be addressing, not telling us about all the other admittedly brilliant stuff that you do. Yeah, I think Gary missed the point. He, he's clearly nervous of upsetting the fans inside the stadium. He doesn't want to say something that 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 makes them go against him, does he? And and to some degree, I get that. But but the pitch is much wider, and I think he's got to rise above that and. And yeah, let the players have decided that this is the way that they that, that they want to make a stand against inequality. The players have decided it up and down the land. It's the reaction to it has been overwhelmingly positive around grounds as well this season. So he's yeah he's going against swimming against the tide there. I think I think that was a I like Gary Rowett. He's a, he's a good manager, but I think he got that one wrong. Uh, here's the chief exec of Carlisle, Nigel Clibbins, who said on Wednesday in a statement, think now how the players who see taking the knee as an important method of raising awareness of issues of discrimination and racism must have felt as they heard the booing and then immediately had to stand up from that to play the game, not just for themselves, but on our behalf. Uh, well said. Uh, some other stories that have been doing the rounds this week. We've spoken about Birmingham's problems with their stands that need repair and meaning that people can't get in to see the games also caught my eye Michelle I'm interested to get your take on this they're advertising an unpaid job in their media department which involves a plethora of responsibilities and comes with the remuneration of a bus pass uh, why do people why why do people think they can get away with this in the media these days of, of just putting up voluntary roles it, it seems like something which has become much more prevalent in the last five to ten years and, and particularly in this industry yeah I think when I was starting out, I did loads of work experience and it was all unpaid. So sort of between the ages of 16 and 21, I went to all sorts of places, made the tea. I remember working at a radio station and literally I spent all day paying checks in in London at one point. And eventually I did work experience at Sky and that proved to be the most valuable. But they were, you know, they were three, four weeks and then, you know, you'd go and do community radio or hospital radio and you knew you wouldn't get paid for that. But we're talking about a professional football club here. And I find that quite staggering, to be honest, because you're asking someone to come and do something for you for nothing for what they will call experience. Don't get me wrong. It's an amazing opportunity. But why should they work for you for free? You know, I think there can be a bit of a culture in media, especially when you get into it when you're young, that you should be grateful to be here. I think we're all very aware that we're very lucky to do what we do. But there comes a point where you can't basically take the mickey out of people. And I do feel quite strongly sometimes that people, you know, do work experience placements for a month or two, fine. I, I think, you know, I can make my peace with that not being paid because I did it myself. But when you're asking someone to come and do a season's worth of work for you for a bus pass, uh, let's move with the times. It's outrageous. There's nothing short of outrageous. It's a nine to five job. They're looking for someone to, to volunteer to do. And, and this is a club that pays its players you know, four figure salaries. 
you know, maybe five figure salaries in some some players per week. You know, and 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 also you've got to look at, at Birmingham how seriously they're taking their media department. What about standards? By the way, can I just say, by the way, I know the boys in their media department and they're lovely and they're top guys. So I can't imagine what they think. Just to be clear, how many days a week and and things is this? It's a full-time job, I believe. Yeah, looking from the amount of stuff that you've got to do, it seems like a full-time job. That's That's crazy. And you want, surely you want to provide the best standard of content for your supporters possible and thereby you're looking for the strongest candidates and the strongest candidates would surely you know w- would command a, a salary you could get someone really good if you paid the going rate it's um yeah it's cheap skatism of the of the highest level isn't it from the blues uh, yeah we've all paid dues to to get to where we are in the industry we're all lucky to be here but we're also quite good it's a skillful job that not many people can do so you should pay people to do it properly please birmingham um some transfers tom huddleston's gone back to hull uh, he lost against his old club Derby on Wednesday night. Helped them to an FA Cup final previously. Uh, ben Davis has gone to Sheffield United on loan. Includes an option to buy, which makes you wonder who scouted him for Liverpool, where he's made zero appearances. Uh, Derby had a good win on Wednesday night at Hull, but they had bad news with uh, the news that Colin Kazim Richards will be out for three months. Uh, Clarkie, they've also signed Phil Jagielka and Sam Baldock. Uh I mean, they've just got to take who they can get at this stage. And these two signings kind of scream of that. I know that, that Bulldog did well against Hull, but it's it's who's available and, and will they accept low wages, I guess. Yeah, it is what it is. They find themselves in a in an uneasy situation, Derby County. But I think they're two decent acquisitions, given, given where they're at. And look, Jagielka knows his way around doesn't he he's he's a vastly experienced defender I don't think he's you know in quote marks gone yet I think there's there's still a little bit left they might have to defend pretty deep they've got a few old heads haven't they at the back this season Derby County so so maybe they'll have to drop a few yards but but and that will suit someone like Baldock up top who's who's got some legs and, and can get in behind um, and they needed an experienced striker with with Kazim Richards being out for three months you cannot rely on the young guys you know as, as talented as, as Sibley and Stretton are that's that's too big an ask for for, for Derby County so yep I think Wayne Rooney has, has made the right call on those two guys and look, they're doing okay aren't they at the moment it's not been the disaster fest that that some were predicting uh, Michelle last transfer I want to talk about potentially a pivotal one in the promotion race I think good win for for Bournemouth at Birmingham on Wednesday night but Arno Danjuma on his way to, to Villarreal might be done by the time you hear this he was so influential for them last season he's going to be a big miss yeah absolutely and and I do feel like Bournemouth are, it, I don't know if I'm misreading the situation or I've just seen bits but who's been going and they've let some quality players go you know Honor Danjuma, I'm sure his stats from last season speak for themselves. I, I remember, what game did I do down there? I want to say it was maybe Bournemouth-Cardiff, and I think Cardiff won, but Danjuma was was fantastic, like the standout player. And there was another game I did where he was spraying passes. He was at the heart of everything they did, bursting into the box. And you just saw it in the championship, he would absolutely smash it. So, look, I guess money talks, but there's a few players that have left and... I mean, even like Sam Surridge was a good centre-forward option for them. There's there's other players that have left, like Diego Rico as well. But this one, 21 point, 
something million, isn't it? It's like crazy money what the transfer fee is. So I guess they felt they they couldn't say couldn't say no. But yeah, I really liked Dan Juma. I thought he was a really exciting winger could play as a second striker as well so I don't know where they go to replace him but yeah 15 goals and seven assists last season yeah yep August 31st is when the window is closed ah the summer was fun wasn't it no allegiances everyone getting behind England three lions being sung everywhere but now the Premier League is back get Grealish off the bench ah he can stay on it at City Pickford might have been a safe pair of hands, now he's just a pair. And enough of Jules Rimet dreaming, now it's our turn to dream. So kiss goodbye to that vomit-inducing unity and welcome back proper football. Let's celebrate flair on the grass, not a flare up the <coughs> paddy power. 18plusbegumbleaware.org You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, right, time for some hard-hitting journalism. Have you ever wanted to be a mascot? Of course you have. Well, at Bradford, you can be. The Athletics' biggest bantam, Katie Wyatt, took up the opportunity to don the costume, and so we had to ask her all about it. Katie, first of all, tell us how this came about, please. Um, I'm just trying to remember. There was a job advert on Indeed for the voluntary role of Billy Bantam. So you don't get paid, but if you do it long-term, you do get club shop discounts and various <laughs> benefits like that. And I sent it to the um, people at The Athletic and said, I think this would be really funny if one of us was Billy Bantam. And they were like, yeah, off you go. Um, so I messaged the club and they were like, yeah, sure, come down. And then that is how the whole situation arose. It's a difficult role, I'm sure, to take on, particularly on a on a one-time basis. What were the key facets of the character, Billy, that you had to get down before before committing to this? Well, it's interesting because I went down a few days before the game to the ground because you have a bit of a safety briefing on what to do in the event of X, Y, Z. And there was a guy there called Gavin who is a full, well, I say he's a full-time, he's an accountant by day, but his other role is that he's a professional mascot person. I don't know what the proper term is for people that inhabit mascot costumes, but he's one of those. And he's been Tinky Winky and Ronnie the Rhino at the Leeds Rhino Rugby Union team and the Haribo Gold Bear. And the reason that he couldn't do the Bradford game on the Saturday was because he was doing the dinosaur exhibition at Leeds Trinity Centre at the shopping centre, dressed as a seven foot T-Rex, which is as good an excuse as any. And I picked his brains and he was saying that you need really, really big movements all the time you can't ever be stood static because then it's very very obvious that you're a person in a costume rather than inhabiting the character but I did actually google Billy Bantam after I'd done it and he's got quite a very complex history if you look at the Bradford newspaper archives that he uh, at one point he was uh, falling to bits and they had to get rid of him and then they brought him back and he has a or he did have a girlfriend and a son that ended up disappearing in quite mysterious circumstances so there is a, a bit of a backstory to him that I probably should have read to have inhabited the character more fully, shall we say. But um, <laughs> no, there's there's quite a lot to go out with them. Presumably the first rule of Mascot Club is never, ever take your head off. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that was the terrifying thing that I was walking around the pitch and waving at people. And then there was, I got struck by one of the balls from the Stevenage warm up and then looked down and I felt the head wobble. And I thought, I, I can't take this off in front of all these all these kids and I hope it doesn't fall off and scar all these children and um, but there were a few moments when because they said to me beforehand that you'll have to get used to letting people down because the number of people that ask for pictures and photos and autographs and you just can't possibly 
get to them all. And it sounds really, really silly because you're a mascot rather than a player, but it is absolutely true that it was just non-stop pictures. And obviously they're asking for an autograph and you've got your hand is in a giant wing and there is absolutely no way that you can clutch a pen. So you sort of have to wave your arms in a, in a I'm helpless and can't possibly do that gesture. Um, so there is quite a, there's quite a few different skills involved and, and different unwritten rules, shall we say. What what do you do while the match is going on, and and are you like the chief cheerleader when a goal goes in? Um, no, you took I took the costume off for the actual game. You go around before kick off, and you're shaking hands and high fiving people, and double high fiving people in some instances, which is very ambitious because the costume is so top heavy. And then you take it off at half uh, for the first half, and you sit and just watch the game in the stands incognito, and no one knows who you are. And then you leave a little bit earlier, get the costume back on for half time, and then do the walk around at um, at, at half time and to see all the children. So that was how it worked at Bradford, anyway. I'm sure at other clubs it's a bit different. And the fact that you were the inspiration for the for the four one win will presumably mean that they'll want you to come back again. Well, I did actually get a text saying, do you want to do it again? And I couldn't, well, I said no, was sort of jokingly was like, oh, I can't possibly. There are lots of, I can absolutely understand why people do it because you do get such a buzz from being stopped all the time and high fives and the hugs and one girl had drawn a picture of her and Billy and you ended up for you end up kind of I because I thought the thing that would really appeal to me would be the anonymity of it would be that no one would know that it was me and I could do whatever I wanted. But then you end up, or I did at least, really inhabiting and getting invested in the character of Billy. So that was something that I really did miss. And then when I had to go back at full time and um, back after half time, sorry, and sitting my own seat and everybody on the row had to get up and they were rolling their eyes and tucking and getting very annoyed that they had to stand up to let me pass. And I thought... You know, and a few minutes earlier, I'd had all these kids running up to high five me and hug me and asking for a picture. And then everyone was rolling their eyes and tutting at me. So Billy certainly has a lot more standing than a lot of people in that ground. And I will miss that prestige. <laughs> um, presumably, Katie, there's going to be a deep dive into the mm. uh, the mentality of the mascot up on the athletics sometime soon. Definitely, yeah. I think it's Saturday scheduled to go up, so a read that people can have before they go to the game, and then you can sit at the game and think, oh, I know how that works now. Excellent. Katie, thanks so much. Uh, All the best for the rest of the season in in whatever costume you inhabit. (laughs) Cool, thank you. Katie Wyatt, part-time chicken, full-time brilliant journalist. Uh, Which mascot would you like (laughs) to spend the day being, Michelle, if you had the chance? Oh, I there was I think his name was Melvin or Marvin. That's terrible. Cambridge United mascot. I met him uh, when I went into the game there once, and he was very cuddly. But my favourite mascot would have to be <laughs> would have to be um, Hercules at Aston Villa because I'm a Villa fan. So Marvin, Marvin the Moose. What did I just call him? Sorry, Cambridge United fans. <laughs> Let's be clear. His name is Marvin the Moose. You, can, can I just say though, I do find some of the mascots a little bit weird. Like the Peter, is it Peterborough had like builders there on Saturday? The builders. I was like, no, it needs to be an animal. It can't be actual people because it just gets a little bit weird. So. <laughs> <laughs> Clarky, when there was all that furore around Gunnosaurus and his contract last season, oh, was, there, was there ever talk of uh, blending your roles together so you could have done the breakdown, then put the costume on and, and waddle around the Emirates? <laughs> Can you imagine? That would have been amazing. Yeah, I'd be well up for that. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I just feel a bit sad. I feel sad for the man that, that was that was Gunnosaurus. Just brutal. Like He loved that job and it was his full-time, full-time role. He was full-time Gunnosaurus. So, 
yeah, g- genuinely sad for him. Um, so yeah, but but look, yeah, if there's if there is a vacancy moving forwards, I'd obviously be all over it. And um, <laughs> but Boiler Man as well. I know that I know that Michelle oh, thinks Boiler animals Man. only. I know she thinks animals only. Um, but Boiler Man just looks funny, doesn't he? And and I think yeah, that would be uh, that would be a good crack, especially especially at the Hawthorns, where everyone's in a great mood at the moment. You could have a great, you could have a wonderful time. I think playing Boiler Man. After all that mascot chat, shall we look ahead to some games in the championship next? (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show and you could read pieces from the likes of Ryan Conway, Nancy Frostick, Steve Maidley and many, many more writers. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. The first game of the weekend comes under the Friday night lights at Ashton Gate. Clear eyes, full hearts. Etc. Uh, contrasting fortunes for the pair in midweek. Bristol City picking up their first win since March by beating Reading 3-2. Swansea went down 3-1 at home to Stoke. That means Russell Martin still searching for his first league win since taking charge. Uh, Bristol City, one of your areas of expertise, Michelle. Is this a, a derby? Like the, the rivalry between Bristol City and Swansea is not as big as it is between Bristol City and Cardiff, right? Yeah, but there is a massive rivalry. I remember doing a few games there and there has been trouble. Like I've seen fans kicking off at each other for whatever reason, but they do not like each other at all. Um, I don't know, it's probably about an hour and 20 minutes down the M4 if you drive quite quickly. So there is a big rivalry between them. It's a game I love. I absolutely relish this game, but not really sure what to expect because Bristol City obviously got their first win of the season Tuesday night, but they haven't won in 11 home league games. In fact, they haven't won at Ashton Gate under Nigel Pearson, but they're going to play a side that are just going to pass, 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 pass. And they've been really focusing on their set pieces. And we saw that pay off midweek. So I just wonder if they might have the edge that way. But they're not, not teams that have lit up the championship at all so far. But there'll be a big Swansea bubble, a big Swansea contingent that, that travels down the M4. And it's just for Bristol City... I actually think I, I saw a few fans questioning Nigel Pearson after the opening couple of results. What I find a little bit weird about this is that Dean Holden and Lee Johnson did used to get quite a lot of stick from fans and Dean Holden had all these injury problems. And then Nigel Pearson inherited the injury problems, but he's had one transfer window to try and start things rolling, to change medical staff, to do things behind the scenes. So you'd expect to start seeing results in the next few weeks. I'd say, and they've got their first. So it's gonna. I think this is a really critical time now for Nigel Pearson. He does need to be given a bit of time. But Andres Feynman is back from injury. They missed him so much last season. He did his ACL, and he's just always buzzing round. He's always and he doesn't stop running. Like he's such a selfless player. But he got a couple of goals the other night as well, which would be massive for his confidence. But sometimes he does that, gets a couple, and doesn't score for ages. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. But Chris Martin as well getting on the score sheet is is a big one. So if they fail to win though. It's going to be a club record 12 home league games without a win. So they'll be desperate to win on Friday night. Yeah, Martin and Vyman 
sort of proven commodities at this level, although neither's managed double figures for league goals more than once in the last five seasons of Vitamins. Actually, only ever done it once. Uh, in terms of the head-to-head on this one, Swansea's last win here more than a decade ago. Obviously, they were in the Premier League for a fair amount at that time. Uh, Clark, he was interested in, in Russell Martin's post-match after the defeat to Stoke. The, the trustee, they're not fit enough, came out, which is beloved of uh, new managers who aren't doing that well with their current teams. The preseason was disrupted, so I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone, but they're not as fit as they should be or they can be for our way of doing things. We said the appointment had come a bit too late and, and the results other than that, that League Cup win at Reading have, uh, have proved that so far. Yeah, he's also got in the old line of this is a season of transition, pretty early doors. Um, and it is, I think we know that. But uh, I don't think Swansea would have appointed Russell Martin if they weren't prepared to not write it off this campaign, but to stick with it long term and to give someone time to to bring in the brand of football that that they want to supply the fans. There are definitely teething problems. I, I, I don't like singling out individuals, but I think that Russell Martin needs a new keeper. Stephen Bender is is a talented boy, but he's 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 not in the same league as as Freddie Woodman. And he doesn't look comfortable playing out from the back. And we know that Swansea want to knock it around at the back and they and they will use their goalkeeper a lot. And and yeah, he, he's looked really susceptible and teams are smelling blood as they are in terms of pressing Swansea. So I think if Bristol City really get at the Swans, they can pinch the ball high up the pitch and hurt them. The other thing, of course, is, is Russell Martin still trying to work out his best team. Definitely at the back... He's not sure what to do at the moment. I think Cabango, Brandon Cooper and Ryan Manning was the three, <coughs> excuse me, for, for the last game. And Ryan Manning, more of a fullback, Brandon Cooper, a rookie, and Cabango uh, with Lat- uh, Latibur as a wingback, which is a sort of a strange one. So, yeah, I don't understand that. He's, he's definitely more of a centre-half for me. So, so he's got to get the back three right. Um, so, yeah, loads of work for Swansea to do. Um, they, they, I, honestly, I, I've got full faith. Russell Martin will will win the fans over and and start to get winning football but but right now it just feels like a great time to play them and uh, I would make Bristol City the the favorites even though they've got this shocking home record. I think what's interesting as well about Swansea is the fans did not like how Steve Cooper played or some of the fans did not like how he played and now they've got a manager who's playing the way they want to play but it's going to take time to get results so let's see what the reaction is going to be but yeah I don't know why he's putting Aboudier on as a wing back? Like I saw that and I was like, is that right? Um, so I don't know. I mean, he's got Bidwell on one side, but Connor Roberts is injured, of course, and that is a massive loss for them. So that's worth saying. Last up in the championship is the Potteries, where Nottingham Forest make the short trip up the A50 to take on Stoke City. Clarky Stokes start gone under the radar a little bit. Same points as Fulham. Scored three times in two of their three league games so far. I feel like we don't give Michael O'Neill much credit for for revitalising what was a, a squad full of roustabouts and, and Premier League cast-offs. I think there's been a slow upward curve, hasn't there, at Stoke since he got there. They, they weren't in a good place and he steadied the ship and, and look what Stoke fans would have been looking for right now is to take it to the next level, to, to put in a, a playoff push and the performances so far would signal, I think, that they're ready to make that that playoff push. Obviously, with Tyrese Campbell to come back into the side, 
they've got they've got quality to come. But I really like the look of the team, the back three in particular for the last game where they were brilliant. I thought against against um, Swansea didn't have that much of the ball, but dominated the game. And I think that's the that's the sign of a really strong team when they had it. They were super effective. Um, Ostergaard, Sutar, and Wilmot was the back three, and I think that's excellent. Uh, in in terms of championship level and Smith and Tymon in the wing backs gives a nice balance. Powell, Alan Klukas in midfield. I mean three really good players there. But I think Powell might be injured. And then but but the key actually and and the reason that maybe Stoke are winning games that they were drawing before is the front two. Um I think that Surridge and Jacob Brown have, have struck up a nice combination and and they work it that the, the, the the, the sort of move music coming out of Stoke is that they're loving the, the graft from the front two. They're chasing everything. They're closing down. They're looking to get involved all of the time. And and that sets the tone. We've we talked about that before on the podcast. The front guys set the tone for everyone to follow. And 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 it looks to me like like they've 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 found a good formula here, good chemistry. And when you chuck in that they're, they're also scoring from a number of set piece goals, you know, nice cheap concession, uh, nice cheap goals that they're punishing opponents with. You've got you've got yourselves a nice little blend there. So no Stoke, lots and lots of, of ticks for me so far. So look, it's a long season, but but a great start. Uh, I was at the world famous City Grounds on Wednesday night, first time in, in more than two years. So good to get, to get back amongst supporters and, and get those familiar sights and and smells and sounds sounds like boo and you're not fit to wear the shirt and what a load of effing rubbish and all that kind of stuff it's not good michelle we've played three games lost them all look pretty crap apart from philip zinkenagel can can you give me any any sort of optimism or any crumb of positivity to to cling on to well, you only lost them all 2-1, so, you know, that's something. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to know the sort of what's going on at the city ground at the moment. You know, it sounds like fans, from what I've heard from reports at the ground, maybe were turning on Chris Hewton a little bit, saying you don't know what you're Chanting doing. Chanting for Sabri Lamushi. Lads, do you not remember what happened at the end of that season? I mean, seriously? Yeah, it's. but, I mean, I don't know what Forest fans are thinking, Matt, but, you know, he said he's Chris Hewton after. I saw some of his post-match. He said he accepts the criticism. But sounds defensively that there's a lot of problems that they can't defend from set pieces. I mean, two centre backs scored for Blackburn, didn't they? Which tells a story. And it sounds like there's some sort of problems at fullback, short of options. So, yeah, it doesn't sound like a happy place at the moment. But I just wonder what what's the sort of the patience like with Chris Hutton and how long that's that's going to last. Did they expect more at this point, or is it that he just hasn't got the tools at his disposal? He's never had a lower win ratio at any of his clubs than he's got at Forest. So he's try, he's the most trustworthy pair of hands you would imagine for for a club like Forest. But it's not worked so far. There's there's a lot more work for him to do. No, and he's he's never had a spell. We were talking talking about this last night. He's he's never had a run of games where you could get behind him and. and believe in in what he's doing um definitely unlucky in terms of you know they had two young fullbacks last night one of the mostly 2-2 from Arsenal went off injured in the first half was replaced by a young kid that they had young players in the wide forward positions in in Johnson and Mighton too and yeah injuries at centre half and and Lewis Graben playing on one leg and and Jack Colback doing a good impression of me in central midfield means it's not uh going 
great. Uh, Producer Abby pointing out Nick Powell's Twitter bio is uh, two fingers in the air waving a peace sign Alanis Morissette style emoji. Then E dot D dash S comma A dot E dot P comma O dot E dot P uh, ampersand for the word and C dot E dot P lowercase X. Clucky, you're a footballer. Can you interpret that for us, please? I, no, I switched off. I switched off <laughs> the, the, the several several dots before the end. I, I, I zoned out there. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> uh, if anybody from Stoke knows, do get in touch. Uh, let's build a weekend acca, shall we, with the help of our friends from Paddy Power. Michelle, you've picked a selection from the Championship. Stoke yeah. to beat Forest. That is exactly it. No, um, I've got... <laughs> it's one to a hundred. <laughs> Um, no, I have gone for a draw quite predictably between um, Cardiff and Millwall just based on what they've been doing so far. I don't think that game's going to light up our, our weekend, but um, Cardiff had a good fight back against Peterborough, so I thought maybe a one-all for that one, quite specific. Oh, wow. Odds on that, Abby? For the 1-1, one, one, it is 5-1, to one, so could be worth plumping on that. Uh, mm-hmm. The draw is 21-10. to 10. Cardiff are the favourites here, 5-4, to four. Millwall 9-4. to four. And if you did fancy Stoke to beat Forest, it is 10-11. to 11. Wow, printing money. Right, we'll take a, a trip to League One next. Okay, League One, we're focusing on some teams who've had less than perfect starts. Although you might not say that about Cheltenham, given what they did in midweek. They go to Fleetwood on Saturday. Uh, if we if we start with Fleetwood, they definitely haven't had a very good start. They've lost their first four games have the cod army does that mean that simon grayson's had his chips as a top efl manager i don't think so no i'm not going to beat up fleetwood i think that all of those four games were quite narrow really i think the one in the cup they 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 ran stoke quite close they led at lincoln and then only lost it to a late penalty they lost one at home to portsmouth who are looking really strong aren't they and and their other defeat was was the wrong side of a close match at Hillsborough against the Sheffield Wednesday team that have started pretty well as well. So got to look at the fixtures, I think, and they've been dealt quite a tough hand, Fleetwood. Um, and even though they're not scoring very many goals, they're also not they're not being blown away by anybody. And uh, yeah, I I think that this it feels to me like they're due a win. The performance levels haven't been poor. I don't think Grayson is, is pulling his hair out. They'll look at this one at the weekend, a visit of Cheltenham, even though Cheltenham are a very dangerous team, as we know. They'll look at this and say, right, play as we have done with a little bit of an upturn and we can beat Cheltenham. So, yeah, the, all is not lost. That was a massive win for Cheltenham, wasn't it, Michelle, against Ipswich and, and ought to solve any potential cases of imposter syndrome that they might have had. Yeah, it's just getting that first one of the season. I mean, I don't think anything was too desperate. Opening um, draw against Crew was fine. They beat Rovers in the, the League Cup. I don't know how bothered they would be about that. And then, you know, they lost at home to Wickham, but Wickham, you know, one of the favourites in the league. So to beat Ipswich, who also probably would have that tag, I think it's fair to say, was absolutely huge for them. And I looked at their lineup, and, you know, Basically, it's more or less the same team as last season, you know, that have made the step up. They have brought a few new players in. They've got a new centre forward in Carvacell. But overall, I think they'd be very, very happy with their start. Four points so far. They'd be very happy. I mean, the goal for them, surely, is just to 
to stay in stay in the league this this season with with all due respect to them I think they could exceed expectations on that level but Michael Duff just does such an amazing job there I know you've talked about him a lot before but I just can't see him being at Cheltenham forever so they've got to make the most of him while they've got him uh, defender Chris Hussey summing things up nicely on Twitter after that win Chris Hussey by the way while we're talking bios and stuff he is Chris Hussey BSC open brackets ons close brackets and uh, he used that uh, excellent education, I'm sure, in this tweet, which was heart emoji, football emoji, praise emoji, all caps, cohesion, two exclamation marks. Thanks for that. Chris. I can understand that one, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is key, I think, to a tweet. <laughs> Uh, let's go on to Gillingham versus Morecambe. Morecambe, no strangers to long road trips this weekend, no different as they go to Kent and Priestfield specifically. Uh, Michelle, you've taken the Gillingham angle on this, I'm sure in large part to spare Clarkie's blood pressure, lest he feel the need to rant against his old pal Steve Evans. Uh, they've got a sit hole on the pitch and an arsehole in the dugout. Anything else to say about it? <laughs> Are you leaving that in here? <laughs> Is that literally your line? Am I coming off the back of that, Abby? You're nodding. Okay, fine. Um, well, obviously, I'm I'm very politically correct about these things. So, um, yeah, Gillingham start to the season. I'm 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 not sure sort of where you're up to with with what you've said about Gillingham so far. It doesn't sound positive, but I. The biggest thing I saw was that crazy penalty shootout against Crawley Town. That's the most action I've seen for them to, to level with you guys. But obviously, I have read up about them. And Plymouth Argyle were delighted to beat them last Saturday. Huge win for them. And then they did, you know, manage to get a point against Wimbledon with 10 men. And it was a very, very late equaliser. So with that in mind, maybe that's going to spark things to start going their way. But yeah, Morecambe in, in this league, just sort of feeling their way into it. I think... In terms, when you look at the table, if you were to open up the table and haven't seen nothing of the opening sort of two, two weeks, we're two weeks in now, you wouldn't expect to see Morecambe above Gillingham, but that's where we are, where we are. And I'm not quite sure what's what's been happening at Gillingham, so maybe you guys can fill me in. Maybe, but I'd rather talk about Morecambe instead, <laughs> I think. Um, Adrian, I, th- I think they are one of the stories of the early parts of the season so far. New division for the first time, not only that, but with a new manager. And Sam was bigging up Cole Stockton after the opening day draw at Ipswich. Four in four in all comps. They might be slightly concerned that somebody might come in and pinch him before the end of the month. Yeah, so- sometimes the level suits a player, doesn't it? And it, it appears that... that- well, it's maybe less rough and tumble in in League One than League Two. Bit more, a bit more football played on the deck, and and it's bringing the, the best out of Cole Stockton, who's a, is a really clever front man, mobile, and and he's yeah he's causing danger in a number of different ways. So yeah, he's definitely had a great start. It has surprised me because yeah, like you say, new manager, pretty much a whole new team as well. You'd have expected them to take time to settle. Just look at Ipswich Town. But they, they beat Shrewsbury 2-0. They drew at Ipswich. Obviously not knocked Blackburn out of the cup. Narrow defeat to, to Rotherham. Um, so so not, not a disaster there either. So no, and they're doing this without two of their forward signings. A beaker's out long term. A younger, who I know Sam was talking about before. Good player. He's, he's out for, I think, eight weeks. But the guys that, that are flanking Cole Stockton, um, Josh McPaik on loan from Rangers has, has impressed so far. Um, Arthur Ganua as well has, has looked okay. And Adam Phillips, who who they had on loan, of course, last year, 
lost because he was kind of too good for League Two. They've got him back from Burnley and he's he's been chipping in with goals. So, yeah, loads of positives, really, for, for Morecambe, um, who have also kept Dier Garaga, who I think that's a really important retention there in, in the heart of the midfield. So they'll go to Gillingham, I think, kind of feeling chipper, and, and they'll go and do their thing and, and look to, to attack and score goals. Yeah, Gillingham will look to bully them, as they, as they always do. Morecambe could uh, have shown, I think, that they're good enough to pick them off on the break and on the transition. So, yeah, potentially a, a decent game here. Gillingham fans will will say lots of nice things about you next time we talk about you, I promise. Uh, Clarky, your pick for the Acker comes from League One, I believe. It's Gillingham yes. to lose 10-0. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not anti-Gills at all. Look, yeah, I've had run-ins with Steve Evans. I'm not a fan of his style of management, that's all. But, yeah, look, G- Gillingham... I, I, I don't wish bad things on them at all. Um, in terms of the Acker, Rotherham play Sheffield Wednesday, don't they, in a, a, a local derby in League One uh, this weekend. And both teams have been involved in really low-scoring games so far. Neither of them have, have gone above two goals in any of their games. Um, so that's six matches in total, all under 2.5 goals. It's a local derby. Lot at stake. I think this one will be tight. I, I could see a nil-nil or a one-nil either way at the New York Stadium. So yeah, Rotherham, Sheffield Wednesday under two point five, please. I'll tell that, Abby. So under two point five goals at the New York Stadium, we are looking at four to seven. Uh, Rotherham are the favourites, five to four. Sheffield Wednesday, eleven to five. Uh, Abby, you've also picked a selection to get our Acker up to four teams. Uh, I'm told it's a very good, well thought out selection. What is it? Yes, I've stolen the one that you put on the group. Um, because I actually quite liked the look of it. Uh, Charlton and Wigan face off and uh, both teams to score. Uh, yes, coming in at 8-11. to 11. I quite liked the sound of that. Charlton are favourites at 6-5, Wigan 19-10. to 10. The treble at the moment, as it stands, before your League 2 pick comes in, uh, is at around 7-1. to 1. OK, we've got one more division to look at. It goes by the name of League 2 and we'll be there after this brief intermission. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with everything Totally by following us at The Totally Show on Twitter. Okay, League Two, Northampton versus Rochdale. If that doesn't yell glamour at you, listener, then I'm not sure what will, to be honest. Uh, No relegation hangover for the Cobblers, Michelle. Perfect start to the season, winning both their opening league games without conceding and knocking Coventry out of the cup. 12 new players they brought in over the the summer, but it seems like it was a, a necessary turnover. Yeah, terrific start to the season so far. You consider the turnover in players, you've got to get them all settled in. You've got to have a good, solid pre-season altogether to get them the gel. All the cliches, but just the one thing that caught my eye was Fraser Horsfall was sent off last Saturday um, against Colchester, which means he'll miss this game. So whether that sort of just disrupts the team slightly defensively, the squad depth they've got, who they'll bring in. It's just a little test from early on, perhaps their first test in terms of having to change personnel. So... 
depending on what John Brady goes for against Rochdale, who normally play a back three, don't they? So it depends how he, he sets up against them tactically. But they've got to be delighted with how they've started. Never, I think, I think it's so cliched when teams come down that when they're from a higher division, you expect them just to, to take the league by storm, expect them to do well. I look at Sheffield United, what's happened in the Championship. But they found their feet early on. And um, yeah, I'm sure they'll be full of confidence going into this one. Uh, Rochdale, by the way, subject of a hostile takeover attempt by businessman Andy Curran and Daryl Rose. Phil Buckingham's gone big on this over on, you've guessed it, The Athletic. The supporters are against it. Dale supporters trusts saying the very future of the club is on the line. Not been going well on the pitch either, has it, Adrian? Yet to win this season, unless you count that default victory against Harrogate in the <laughs> League Cup. And I see that the midweek loss to, to FG Arsenal, they're missing four players because of COVID. So, yes. yeah, difficult times. Difficult times, yeah. Northampton yet to concede, of course, in League Two, and they've had the week off. So they, they get a nice free week of training, whereas Rochdale, obviously, have got the game and the travel to take into account. Off-field distractions, as you say. Four out with COVID. I think the majority of their midfield, actually, is missing for this game. That that's gonna, Those players aren't going to return for this one. Yeah, not too not too many sort of bright spots. I think the, the forward players Abraham and, and Odo, Abraham Odo and, and and Alex Newby have looked quite sharp. New signing O'Keefe, the, the right back from from Mansfield, looks looks decent. But yeah, not not a great start for Rochdale. And th- there are little warning signs with that hostile takeover that that they might be this season's crisis club. We always get one, don't we, in League Two where it's a bit of a mess. And I, I yeah, I fear a little bit for Rochdale. Yeah, fell doing their fit and proper person's test at the moment, which hasn't been that fit and proper before. So do the right thing this time, please. Uh, last game we're going to look at today is that betwixt Oldham Athletic and Colchester United. Uh, now Oldham propping up the rest of the EFL, zero points thus far. Michelle, we know their owner's got an itchy trigger figure. That makes this a big game for Keith Curl. Yeah, but what's really caught my eye about Oldham is that that's blown my mind is what's happening with the keeper situation. Okay, so I thought Lutweiler had signed the new deal, but he's not in the team sheets. It's all very bizarre. Um, I was having a look at the fan reaction to what's been unfolding this season. They call the Oldham fans have been calling their side apathetic. Very good adjective. Um, but the biggest thing is they just feel like their 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 players, you know, they're back in the stadium. By the way, I think this is such a big thing. Is you cannot gauge your team properly on something like as great as I follow is you cannot gauge what's happening in the ground quite often unless you are there and. I think now they're seeing the body language of the players, they're seeing the performances they're putting in and they're angry and they're not happy with what's happening in their club. And I think the whole goalkeeper situation really sums it up in a little microcosm because it's just a bit of a disaster at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, that little while I think, very odd. Unavailable for selection because what Oldham are calling an unfortunate misinterpretation of the full terms of the monitored EFL loan. Uh, that's football in 2021 for you. I guess. Uh, Colchester, Adrian, yet to win this season, but that point against Mansfield on Tuesday will have felt like one, given it came courtesy of that injury time penalty from from F- Freddie Sears. How's Hayden Mullins done so far? I'm backing him because uh, he's got the same name as my son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I, I, I don't think they need to panic yet, Colchester. That, that was definitely a good result, wasn't it? Um, They've struggled to score goals. That much is clear. Not scored more than one in a game yet. And until they, until one of the strikers catches fire, there's going to be that sort of fear that we need a centre forward. I think they've got a player called Sylvester Jasper, which is an interesting name. 
on uh, it feels back to front to me but um <laughs> he's he's on loan from from Fulham talented young boy Charlie Daniels has come in he came off the bench and did well the other night by all accounts so look they're solid three at the back this season it looks like the way forward the goalkeepers in good form Shamal George former Liverpool player so I think defensively he's got them organized it's now can we can we be a bit more creative inside the final third can can we start to show a bit more cohesion and look this might be the game to do it because Oldham as we know from the last few seasons of um of being good at scoring and not so good at stopping so yeah this might be the one where Colchester's season takes off to complete our ACA, I have chosen selection from League Two. I think it's going to be a big weekend for Sutton United. I am predicting that they will get their first win in the EFL because they are away at Scunthorpe. What are the odds on that, please, Abby? So the odds for Sutton to win are eight to five, and uh, as you came to me, the, the odds for the Scunthorpe just changed to thirteen to eight. So it could not be tighter, really, between these two teams. Um, my maths tells me that Sutton are still the very slightest, slightest, slightest of favourites in that one. Uh, the draw is eleven to five. All of that come together means that our ACA comes in at a whopping twenty-one to one. So. Um, maybe bet on something else and take in <laughs> our alternate option, probably of the Stoke to beat Forest 10 to 11 instead. <laughs> Unnecessary. Uh, you can find these odds and more at paddypower.com. Odds are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Uh, now then, Lincoln City, the latest club to release their pre-match playlist on Twitter ahead of a game. It got me thinking, if you could pick one song to sum up one club start to the season... What would it be and why? Uh, before I get any more stick, I'll go first and say Forest loser by back, obviously. Um, Clarky, what have you picked? Well, I've got I've got a mini playlist. I've got a, a Green Day double here. This could apply to a lot of teams, but right now I think it applies most to Ipswich. I'm going to go with Green Day Boulevard of Broken Dreams, and then we just will follow that up straight away with Wake Me Up when September ends. Summer has come and passed Because I think by the end of September we might see Ipswich um, playing some really good stuff but right now it's definitely a work in progress. Could have had basket case for a number of EFL clubs as well, of course. Michelle, what did you go for? I've got a couple. There was one that struck me for Derby. I feel a little bit harsh but it's because they really can't sign many players and they're going to have a very small squad. Avicii and Rita Ora, this is a modern one for you, lonely together. There's not many of them. And uh, yeah, maybe just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Derby. And and maybe one for the bottom of the championship, whether it's Preston North End, it's Forest or Sheffield United not doing as well as they'd expect. Dry your eyes, mate. I don't think that would, if this is a pre-match playlist, I mean, it'd be pretty awful, to be honest. They'd be pretty depressed by the time the, the whistle went, but they would be my picks. Sorry. Well, we had Let Me Entertain You before the game at the City Ground on Wednesday, oh. which, yeah. That was they a broken promise. Yeah. <laughs> it surely is. Uh, that's all for this episode. Remember to check in with us again on Monday when Adrian, Sam Parkin and I will be joined by Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Until then, enjoy the weekend's action. We'll catch up with you soon. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. 
The Totally Football League Show is an athletic media company production. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.